0: We were continuously depleting our emergency fund. And so I felt a lot of shame and guilt around that because, again, I had family members and friends asking me for finances. I was in this program to become an accredited financial counselor, yet I didn't have our stuff together. So it really sent me on a journey of of asking myself, what is missing? What am I missing? If I'm doing what these personal finance experts are telling me to do, why aren't we ahead? Why aren't we moving the needle?
1: Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to my good friend, Jennifer Hempel, from Her De Niro Matters. Jen is a military spouse and proud bilingual Latina who helps busy, career-oriented women become the reinas, queens, of their money. She is a Latina money expert and accredited financial counselor, author, speaker, and host of the Her De Niro Matters podcast. And today, she's joining us to share her money story, what traditional money advice gets wrong, and how you can thrive financially and professionally. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Jen. Or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 68 for the complete show notes and to download your free Healthy Money Mantras workbook. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Jen, welcome to the Smart Money Mamas show. Hey, Chelsea. I am so thrilled to be here. I'm so glad to have you here and get to chat again. You were the last person I saw before we
0: shut down (laughs) for COVID. That is right. And yeah, you're right. Wow. That's crazy.
1: Mamas, Jen and I were roommates at PodFest. Is that where we were?
0: Yes. In Orlando. At PodFest in Orlando,
1: right before things shut up shut down. And I don't know about you, but I was like deciding whether or not we were going to go to that conference, right? People were just starting to cancel flights,
0: but we had a lot of fun. We did. And it was a little crazy because it was the news were picking it up more, right? And you're like, ooh, I'm like in Orlando and I need to get on the plane back. And then even at the conference, people were pretty relaxed, but there was that distancing going on and I'm a hugger. So I had to like be very careful not to just go up and hug people. Hey, how you doing? Because that might just.
1: But now six months later, seven months later, I think back and I'm amazed that we could see everyone's faces.
0: Oh I know. I know. So I've, much risk. It's incredible. Like with this time that has passed, just I have had instances where I've watched TV and people are like so close and I'd like freak out because, but I'm like, it's TV. It's just the TV is not, <laughs> it's not real life. So how much of an impact what we are needing to do to take care of ourselves and protect others has had on, on me for sure just even watching TV.
1: <laughs> it's also, it, it's been a fascinating how quickly we adapt to, to big changes. I think that like things seemed so dire in March and April, especially of like, oh my gosh, like masks and whatever. And now it's so kind of second nature, even for my little kids. We go out, if we go into to the grocery store, they put their mask right on. Like it doesn't bother them. Humans are so resilient in a lot of ways. They are just- for sure. Jen, tell us a little bit about you and your business and and add what's going on in your house. Are you doing virtual learning, hybrid learning? What's up?
0: Sure. In our house, we're doing all virtual learning. So it's interesting. And I give it out for all the mamas with little ones because my kids, my boys are teens. So I don't have to sit there and make sure that they're on the computer doing their homework. Granted, maybe sometimes... They're, they're goofing off, who knows, but no, they're pretty, they're pretty responsible kids, but yeah, it's all virtual learning in in our household. So it's, it's interesting because everybody's home. My, my husband is also, he's in the military. He's also in school. It makes it a challenge sometimes for me working from home when I have to do podcast interviews or if I'm doing some speaking engagements because I'm like, how are we going to do this with everyone on the computers? What if something goes wrong? And here I am getting paid for a speaking engagement and and I'm not able to do this. That's my fear. That's my fear. But so far- And the
1: video cuts out. It has been really, it was a big adjustment for us to figure out how to do podcasting and recording for the Mama's Talk Money Summit With toddlers in the house, because they don't get it.
0: (laughs) They get (laughs) it for like five minutes. But it's fun. It's fun, though. It It is fun. It makes it interesting. And you also asked about me. So a little bit about me. I'm also in the finance space like you. I'm what's called an accredited financial counselor. And I host a podcast called Her Dinero Matters. So I have been podcasting for five years. And it started off as her money matters, because I wanted to focus on women and money. And I know why you're doing your podcast specific for mamas, right? So it's very similar where I saw the content and about money is just very run and dry. And I'm, and you have to be able to connect with that person. And you can't just have general content, money content, just and assume that, oh, people are going to be excited about it because it's bland and boring. At that time, five years ago, there wasn't that many podcasts talking to women about money, so I wanted to really dive in there. And then several years later, as a Latina, I'm like, "Why am I not talking to Latinas? It doesn't make sense." Because with a gender wage gap, Latinas are the ones on the bottom of that ladder. So for me, it was like, "Why have I not been doing this before? This is where I'm needed." And again. It was about 2 years ago when I started think, when I decided, you know, let's let's just do this. And there wasn't podcasts for Latinas and money. Granted that's been changing, little by little, which is exciting, yeah, because I can't do it alone. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing, financial education for women. It's more I take a more holistic approach where I focus definitely on the mindset. I focus on really bringing light how important and how impacting our money stories, our past money stories, how we grew up, what we saw, what we heard, really has on our relationship with money and how we really need to be aware of that. And that is a big part of my podcast, a big part of what I do, because traditional money advice is, yeah, save more. I was going to say, save less. That is not right. (laughs) Save more, spend less, and get out of debt. It boils down to that. But, and that's just really, in my opinion, just a small part of the whole picture. And really that mindset piece is a bigger part because if you're in your mind thinking we can't afford it, we don't have the money, how are you, your mind is there to protect you and your mind is going to do work in your favor. So if you're thinking we can't afford this, we don't have the money, we're never going to get out of debt. Your mind's going to help you achieve that, what you're thinking.
1: And it's amazing how much of traditional financial advice solidifies some of those negative, scarcity-based, shame-based money stories, right? Of like, of course, people don't want to talk about money when it's all about deprivation and picking on you for spending money on things that matter to you. That's no fun. So tell me your money story, Jen.
0: Well, my money story, I was born in Bogota, Colombia. I was born in a, in a decade in Colombia where I'm claiming my age. It was in the 1970s. In Colombia at that time, the security and the economy was bad. And my dad is an American citizen, so I had the privilege, I'm, I'm privileged enough that I was born a dual citizen, sh- where had that American citizenship, American citizenship right off. Now, my parents struggled financially. They were the first in their families to be have a, a college degree. But due to the times in Colombia, it was... They had some difficult times, so there was a lot of stress. I remember seeing a lot of stress. They actually tried. They were both educators, but my dad had that had that business degree, so they uh, opened up a restaurant, a discotheque, and those things failed. So there was debt. Then they decided. My it was a big deal for my mom to really establish the roots. In in other words, really uh, buy a home, and so they started building a home right outside of Bogotá in a small town, or we say El Pueblito, where it wasn't really well uh, at at that time where they were building it. It took some time because there was no electricity and that side of town. There was a lot of things going on that hadn't gotten to that side of town. So there was a lot of stress that. So to move really quickly on the story... My parents made the tough decision to move to the U.S. because it just it just was wasn't working out financially. So we moved to the U.S. Notice I said didn't say immigrate. We moved to the U.S. and that money story continued of we can't afford it. I grew up as uh, when I was ten years old because I had already heard we can't afford it. I was not that kid that asked my my parents for money. I was that kid that in that time. I was babysitting, babysitting newborns. I don't think they allow 10, year old, 10 years old to <laughs> babysit newborns <laughs> anyway, but I was making a little bit of money. I was like, when I got those $20 bills, I thought I was a baller, just making those, you know, that $20 bills. For me, that was important, just to be self-sufficient, to be independent. Now let's move on to when I met my husband. He had a different upbringing. My thought process was, We need to save and not get into debt. His thought process, We, I work to make money so we can live our life happily, right? So it was a different, more kind of just very uh, laid back. He's a very much a giver and people need money. Here you go. So, (laughs) and for me, I was like, people need money. He was like, he's a giver. So if people need money for him, it's giving. For me, it's like, are you going to give that back? At that time, especially with family. It's lending. It's lending. Please give it back. You're, you're going to give it back, right? <laughs> that, was, that caused in our marriage is some, especially early on, that caused some rifts because he was that giver. And I'm like, we are in debt. We are just starting off. We're not making that much money. So it was still a lot of scarcity. So 10 years into our marriage, that's when it really changed. Because 10 years into our marriage, I was that... I consider myself money savvy. I read the personal finance books. Friends, family members asked me for advice. And 10 years into our marriage, I was going through actually the program for being an accredited financial counselor. And I, my husband was deployed. He's in the military. For whatever reason, I started looking at our finances because I did look at the finances. Not to say I never did. I did look at the finances and it hit me. That one, we were still in debt because we had student loans. We had been having some car loans. We were still in debt. We had been borrowing from the TSP or my husband's retirement, and we were continuously depleting our emergency fund. And so I felt a lot of shame and guilt around that because, again, I had family members and friends asking me for finances. I was in this program to become an accredited financial counselor, yet I didn't have our stuff together. So it really set me on a journey of, of asking myself, what is missing? What am I missing? If I'm doing what these personal finance experts are telling me to do, why aren't we ahead? Why aren't we moving the needle? Once you start asking yourself questions, things appear, right? And I don't know how the, the book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker, it didn't appear on my doorstep. I don't know if I saw it online. It just appeared. <laughs> I started reading that, And at first I was hesitant to read that because I, millionaire, and I was like, I had this, it gave me that icky feeling, the secrets of the millionaire mind. But I was like, let me just read it anyway. And it just changed my perspective. And that's when I realized that I was still carrying those thoughts of we can't afford it, we don't have enough money. And once I read that book and started shifting my mindset, that's when things started to change. (laughs)
1: So many questions. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about your story. So the first thing, when you go to look at these numbers, right, and you were still in debt, and you said you were doing some of the right things, where was that money going when you started to look into it? Were there places that you were able to cut back?
0: What I realized is, one, we, we were traveling. So our, we had basically at that time, we had our, our two accounts, our checking account and our saving account. And our saving account was supposed to be for emergencies, but it was literally the account for whatever we didn't have the money for, we just took out it from that account. Looking back, that's really what it served for. That money that we were saving, it went to, and granted, things weren't like really bad because what we did do correctly is we weren't getting ourselves into more debt. So if we were needing to buy some bigger ticket items, uh, some furniture or replacing the the washer and dryer, we went to the emergency funds, right? So we weren't getting into more debt, but we were really getting out of the debt that we we had. And that's when I realized that I needed to shift how or the system that we were doing or following to manage our finances. And I started to also realize that the other part that was keeping us back was our our non-monthly expenses, gifts clothing, other expenses that don't come on a monthly basis. And I noticed that also came out of, quote unquote, our emergency funds. Like everything was, uh, that's why it was being depleted. And so it was also shifting how we manage our money and looking at setting money aside for those non-monthly expenses. Got to love those sinking funds. Oh, yeah. The sinking sinking funds. I people have until like a couple of years ago I'm like sinking funds I've been doing this but I didn't know that's what they were called. I just like <laughs> separated I money. A, I
1: think that's originally a YNAB thing. Maybe not maybe, originally. Yeah. But they always had that as part of their budgeting system. And so that's where I learned the term cuz I've always budgeted with YNAB since I was in college. But now I do hear it everywhere now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that that also helped is just separating those funds. And really working on my mindset, but also the practical things of not just having a budget because everybody can create a budget, but you have to implement the budget. So really the implementation of the budget was taking those numbers on that budget and using our accounts to distribute that money, whether for say say, the sinking funds or, or travel or our financial goals or whatnot and then we also started looking at prioritizing what was important to us. I remember we moved again and we were in what I call the North Pole and I finally got my husband to agree to cut the cable so we can get out cuz he he one thing that one of our debts was student loans that was that really was something that was very heavy on his shoulders because it was his student loans. For me, I was I was like, "We'll we'll pay it off." But for him it was like just a really something that was rough for him. And so I was like, if we are able to cut these expense, some of these expenses, I think the big one was cable. We were also in the North Pole, meaning North Dakota and meaning we didn't go much because I was afraid because it was always cold. It was like minus 30 degrees. And I didn't want to get stuck anywhere when it was snowing. Anyways, my brother played hockey for a little
1: while in Nodak, And we talked about going to visit him. And I was like,
0: mm it's too cold. <laughs> those hockey games, I'm telling you they those people are serious about hockey. They are very serious. Wow. About hockey. I went to some hockey games and I was some entertainment for the, the other people just because <laughs> those pucks come in my way and I was like screaming anyways, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm entertaining. The puck should not have been coming your well, way. <laughs> yeah, well, because you you did have the protection, but okay. they were actually still... coming at you. Yeah. It looked
1: like they were coming at you. Exactly. Okay, now that we've clarified that, we yeah, can we go have to clarify back to the cable.
0: <laughs> so the expenses, we minimize the expenses. Oh, and that was the year that we became a one car family. We started paying off that car. We got rid of the other car. Granted, that is not for everyone. We did, we were a one car family for seven years. Again, it doesn't work for everyone, but we were living on base, my husband's military. So he was, you know, he was, his office was on base. So it was just doable. And so that saved some money. That was 2000. Granted, 10 years, we didn't, we had like, what was his student loan? Over forty, fifty grand. And then add in, I don't know, under 20 for the car, let's say 15, 16 a couple of times because we had purchased a couple of cars. But I think from the year 2000, I think let's say 2014, no, actually once we, in a matter of two years, it was two years that we were able to pay that debt off. Once we got things in order, in 10 years, we didn't make much progress. But then once I had that realization and realized some of the things that we can do different as well, it took us two years to pay. It was approximately two years. To pay that debt off, to
1: pay almost sixty thousand dollars of debt. It was a
0: little, probably a little less, yeah.
1: But still, okay. So your husband's in the military. Is he an officer?
0: Yes. Were you working at the time? No. That's the other thing. I they, this is a one salary.
1: Couple questions about the mindset stuff. You and your husband had different money mindsets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> things. <laughs> we still do. <laughs> I wish, Mamas, you could see Jen's face as I just asked <laughs> that question because it was beautiful. Oh yeah. Okay. So did you start this journey on your own? And then when he was ready to really tackle those debts, you brought up the cable and you brought up some of these other things? Or were you trying to have these conversations from the beginning?
0: We were having the financial basics of what saving from the beginning. But the mindset, actually, that year in 2010, when he was deployed, we started that then because I'm not a woo-woo person, or not much, maybe a little bit. But there was this Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you're familiar. She's a very woo-woo person. There was some exercise that we did, him being deployed and me being stateside. That was called the prosperity game. Basically, essentially for 30 days, it's a 30-day exercise. You can do this individually, but I just did it with my husband, which was very transformative in, in the way and getting to know each other more. Ten years later, we still like didn't know some things about each other. Surprise. So basically on day one, you decided this is the dollar amount that we're going to start off with. It can be $1, $100, $1,000. And we split, we decided we're going to split it 50-50. And we each decided what we were going to do with that money. The next day, that dollar amount increased. And the same thing. So we email back and forth daily what were we going to do with that money? The next day it increased. So for 30 days, that money increased and it didn't matter what you spent it on. You can spend it towards debt. You can spend it towards savings. So you're actually spending the money. No, we're not. I'm sorry. No, no, not spending the money. We This is pretend money. Okay. I'm clarifying. Thank you. Thank you. I, I left that detail out and that's very important. So, <laughs> so it's like starting with a thousand dollars
1: and going up every day for
0: a month. No, I just meant to add, to add that detail. Yeah, good, oh, my this, heart. Okay, go ahead. I'm just so excited that you know I always have fun with you. Anyway, so this is pretend money, and you decide. And we were communicating back and forth. We split it 50-50. But what was incredible is one, I learned some of the things that he was had dreams of doing. And wanted. And he learned that the same about me, but it was hard to spend money. You would think if you had an infinite amount of money to spend, it would be no problem. It was hard. I don't remember the, up to what dollar amount we got, but I know I I have the emails. I printed out the emails and it's in a box somewhere. I, I need to find that, but it was just very transformative because it got us to think bigger. I love this exercise so much. Do you
1: remember one of the dreams that you didn't know he had that you discovered through that exercise?
0: He he wanted to buy four-wheelers for all of us and have like a house with a garage big enough for all those four-wheelers. And it's funny, I, I'm the only female, you know, two boys, him and me. I am not an, a very adventure type person. Like the camping, I will go in a cabin, not in a tent that type of thing. So it was just funny because he was very clear for, you know, so meaning me having one of those. <laughs> and he, early on in our marriage, he had a motorcycle, you know, so not a four-wheeler, the, the 2 and Two-wheeler. One of Two-wheeler. Yeah, like one of those like sports type, the ninja or whatever. And I was on the back on the, uh, the that, and I, that was enough adventure for me.
1: <laughs> That's brave. See, I used to, I ride my motorcycles. I love it. I would never get on the back of one.
0: Like That freaks me out way more
1: than driving one. Did you ever get any ATVs?
0: No. No, we haven't. And with all the moves, because he's actually has, he loves cars and like the the classics. And he's got one of those Volvo classics that is in Philadelphia, not where we're at. And one of his cousin's garage, because just from the so many moves, it's like, it, it makes it difficult. This was exercise.
1: And there's two reasons that are popping to my mind that I like love this exercise. First being the thinking bigger, right? That you just mentioned of like, you can start to, what do you actually want? And when it's play money, you can start to think about it. But the thing that comes to me that I think would probably come up for a lot of people is realizing you don't need as much money as you think. And that you reach a point over which you're like, I actually have already done everything that I want to do so far this month. Yes, And that's like really cool, really cool. What was something that you wanted to do?
0: For me, and we haven't done this yet, it was like his grandmother. Oh my goodness, she is so hilarious. When a, she is like a family watching family feud all the time. And I'm like, oh, that would be so fun to go out, you know, fly us out there and get her on the show. And it just it hasn't come to fruition. But for me, it was funny. I was just very rigid. It's like, we gotta say, we gotta say, we gotta invest. But it pushed me to do some other fun stuff. I just re- I do remember it was like getting, oh, what with the vacate our vacation home too in South America. But I was like, do we go to Colombia, Costa Rica, that type of thing? But so I was in that, but notice investment. It was not, you know, I didn't say, Hey, I'm gonna go get a massage and, you know, every single week. And I was noticing that about myself. I was just very rigid. It was like it was difficult for me to treat myself. Which has changed over the years, fortunately.
1: How do you like to treat yourself?
0: Oh, for me, I am not hesitant. Before I was with the getting my hair cut, I'm not hesitant on I'm splurging on getting my hair done. Any time that I can get um, pampered, like with a massage or have time, I, I like doing those type of things. Obviously, with COVID, that has. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: now, just the thought of having someone close enough to massage you is like a little bit anxiety-inducing. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you though. Massages are great. T. Harvecker, let's go back a second because when you read that book, what was coming up for you, mindset-wise?
0: I uh, have a lot of scarcity th- or scarce thoughts for sure. That was that was mind-blowing because one thing that I noticed is, and I write this about in my book, is that we've got our past money stories. We need to be aware of that. But we need to see what our present money story is. And what are we recycling or continuing? What are the patterns that are continued to appear? But in order to fix that, we have to know and be aware what it is. I was definitely repeating uh, some of those patterns. And I, even though I was being careful not to, my kids were little—one uh, in first, second grade, the other one just a toddler—but I was, I was being more careful as to what I said because my parents were like, "Oh, we don't have the money." I remember in college, and this was college was in the nineties for me to give you perspective in the, in the economy and, and anyway. So my mom would help me with money for food. Do you want to know? How much money? It was kind of like an allowance for me to help me for Of course I
1: want to know this number. (laughs)
0: $10 a week. No joke. What were you eating for $10 a week? I would go to the student union. I went to Purdue University and the student union had, I there was a chili bowl, like a bread bowl and a water. Like that would basically cover it. Or there was a like a, maybe like a burrito type, I don't know, but it was like literally a dollar something. It just came just under the $2 because it was literally five days a week. Yes. So that was the lunch. And at that time I was living at home and in her mind, she didn't, they didn't have the money. And I asked my dad, was it really that y'all didn't have the money or she just was very, Rigid, again, past- I'm noticing that about me and needing to say, my mom is still working to this day. Wow. What does she do? She's a professor, a college professor, and she's in her mid-70s. I tell her, you all are good. I'm not a financial advisor, but your financial advisor, I'm sure, is telling you, you're good. You can retire. But again, it's that mentality, we may not have enough.
1: Oh, that's so interesting that you're still seeing her struggle to feel that sense of enough. I want to talk about how you were able to break those generational narratives. But before we do, let's take a quick break to hear from our partners who helped make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Mama, what if you were suddenly unable to handle all the things you usually take care of? Whether it's paying the bills, filing insurance claims, setting up playdates, or managing your investments, there are so many things we do in life where we're the only ones in the know. Maybe your spouse, parents, or siblings generally know where you bank or where you keep your files. I mean, you talk. But could they navigate it all without you there to walk them through it? Our Family Emergency Binder is designed to fill in all those gaps. A well-organized, easy-to-edit-and-update, fillable PDF that puts everything you need to know right at your fingertips. It's an act of love that protects the people we care about, no matter what happens. Even without emergencies, I'm thankful for our binder multiple times a year when I'm reviewing accounts, looking for the dog's vaccination records, or, well, pre-COVID, going away for the weekend without our kids. Make sure your family is prepared by grabbing your family emergency binder today at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash binder reading the book must have been eye-opening, but what practices did you put in place to allow yourself to get a more abundance mindset?
0: For me, it was, first it was catching those thoughts, is catching those thoughts. And then just trying to practice, like, how can I change those thoughts? When I caught a thought of, I can't afford this, How can I make this happen? How can I make this purchase or whatever investment, whatever we were doing? How can we? And if it was, you know, I was feeling resistance is how I always ask myself, even to this day, how, whether it's spending money or just life in general, how can I make this more simple? What are some ways that I can make it more simple? So it's ask for me, Is it's not necessarily going on Pinterest and finding mantras because some of them I'm like, eh. It just doesn't feel right to me. So it's just asking myself a question, okay? It's not we can't afford this, but how can we make this happen? And if I have still issues, is how can I make this more simple for myself?
1: Those are great strategies. And it's actually a thing we talk about with mantras. We've talked about it here on the podcast before about how they have to be really personal to you. Anytime you're like Googling what's a good money mantra, it's just not going to have the same impact. And then I love you're asking yourself the question because getting our brains into problem-solving mode and creative mode in all areas of our life is like when we start to really find deep solutions. So tell me now, what does your money system look like and how do you manage money?
0: So basically, essentially, our money system, of course, you've heard of the cash envelope system. We have a virtual envelope system We have our main, what I call the billing account. So that's where our income goes in. And that's where the bills are getting paid out from. We don't use a card. I mean, no debit. It's chopped up, nothing. And it's just, so it's just for the sole purpose of that is to pay bills. And from there, different monies are transferred for different things. So we also have our, what's called the daily spending account. And that's where we have our debit card with. So our daily spending account, a certain amount of money goes every fifteen days. that's what we use for groceries and um, just daily stuff. Then we also have our goals accounts goals accounts in terms of like you know emergency savings, trips, the next car in terms of things that are not investments and a certain amount of money is put in there and then we have I don't have a sinking fund account. I have multiple ones because I need to see it. I need to visualize it. For some people, that's a little overload, but the, I, you have to do what work, works for you and what you can be consistent with. For me, I don't have any debit car, cards for any of those accounts, but it helps me visualize instead of doing the math, okay, if we have this amount of money in the sinking funds, Okay, this is for this. This is for this. Doing the math. Uh, -uh. I'd rather just see it and know exactly. Every single month, a certain amount of money goes to those different sinking funds, which some include military uniforms because my husband is (laughs) very particular about his uniforms and they are not cheap to change out. Not cheap at all. So we have sinking funds for that, for clothing, the boys' sports, all those things. So, depending on what it is, I do group it together. So it's not like I have an infinite number of accounts, but it just, I do it what makes sense for us.
1: Mm. Okay. So how many bank accounts do you have now?
0: I probably, uh, maybe 20. Oh my gosh. Or under 20. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite things about this podcast is every single person we bring in has their own way of managing money, right? Like it's, it's all, and it just comes back to, it has to be unique, right? Like we have three bank accounts, two or three. And like, we do all our sinking funds. I need to see it too, but I do it in YNAB. I don't like having a lot of different things to move around, but that works for me. And so like, we just keep coming back to, there's all these experts who want to tell you like, this is the system you have to use. And it's too restrictive. You have to take those lessons from people like me and Jen, and and then figure out how it fits, right? Which is actually a really good segue, because you talk about in Her Money Matters, and we've talked about before, where the traditional financial education gets things wrong. And so do you want to share some of the things that you think we need to change the narrative about?
0: One is ta- bringing in those money stories, for sure. I think we do need to talk about more about those sinking funds. It's coming to light. But if you were to go back five, 10 years ago, they just say, do a budget, Right.
1: Even then, Jen, I think we think we hear sinking funds all the time, but if you walked up to someone in the grocery store and were like, do you have a sinking fund? They'd be like, Us.
0: am I getting a new sink? What are you talking about? <laughs> true, true. That's that's very true. Uh, also, I think some other is taking care of yourself and your mind because uh, I know self-care, we hear a lot about that and people are like, just kind of put it to the sway side. But it's just so important because- Especially as moms, we are busy with our kids. If we are in a, have a career, we're busy with that. I mean, even if we're a stay at home mom, that's a ton of work. If you're, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff. And then there's going to be days that are rough. And those days that are rough, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you have to make a financial decision, you may not make the best financial decision for you had you taken some time for yourself and taking some time to really take care of that mind. Also, I think as well, the other portion is to is really the confidence piece and becoming and really taking some action to become more confident with your finances we don't hear that. Are you money confident? It, you know, it's not like that kind of conversation and also the importance of talking money as well.
1: Well, you actually emphasize like people becoming the queens or the, uh
0: huh, the queens of their money, reinos of their money. Reinos yes, of their money. I think I'm like, that's why so I'm this word rock. <laughs> <laughs> I can't roll
1: my R's at all. It's like all a, a, a Roll any letter, but I can <laughs> My husband makes fun <laughs> of me all the time. I try to say things and he's like, that's not right. <laughs> but yeah, like really finding that confidence is really important, especially if like you are a stay-at-home mom or you might not feel like you have as much agency in, in your money. Learning how to get involved and get deep with it is just, it's such a powerful thing across the board. We just mentioned the stay-at-home mom thing twice. You did and I did. When did you decide to start your own business to start working again? like What made you decide to go get your AFC after being a stay-at-home mom for a while?
0: Well, basically, I'll have to take it back. When we got married, I had a discussion with my husband and say, okay, when we have decided to have kids, I want to be at home. But I do want to have my cake and eat it too. I wanted to have a career. I didn't know what that looked like. And That was really important for me. One, I saw my parents working so hard, and my mom was always working. I mean, she's I shared that she's still working. And then with my husband being in the military, it was important for me to have a parent that was there. I know there's a lot of incredible moms that have toddler. I mean, you, hello, that have little ones that are running a business. At that time frame, there was no um, heck. I think when I've got married, the internet just started. <laughs> I mean, it literally just started. I was still in our beginning of our marriage. It was still the dialing, you know, dial the internet. That awesome sound we can oh, all yes, remember. <laughs> yes. So in that time frame, we went from that two incomes. I was working when we when we first got married to one income. I'm like, okay, our, our baby's here. You know, you know, the plan. I'm going to be at home, but I was always looking for a way to, you know, can I bring income? I was doing some consulting, doing some research for a university. Sometimes, you know, little things. Then we moved overseas and then I just lived a life. I got massages, you know, when we were in Peru, we got massages at home. I went to the gym. I pampered myself. I went to photography school. I just kind of, kind of let life lead me, if you will. And it wasn't till the North Pole uh, that I mentioned earlier where I'm like, okay, my kids are in school. And I felt like I had a little more time, even though you really don't we know that's really not a whole lot of time. And especially in kindergarten, those three, four hours, I'm like, I just left. <laughs> I just especially left. in North Dakota, would you have
1: to drive forty minutes to drop them off? In? Actually, no, we he walked. He walked. Hey. Yeah, he walked. It was right across. <laughs> He's gonna have that uphill in the snow both it, ways. It was,
0: yeah, it was, it was funny, but that was when I started thinking of like, look how I have this um, designation. How can I do this? But I had no clue when we were in North Dakota that I started thinking and I started learning about online businesses. And you know, at the very beginning, you just fall hard, and I've fallen so hard. And sometimes I still do bruises, and I'm exaggerating, but you get the drill. So it was. It was around that time when my kids were already in school that I'm like, I can finally just breathe. And I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but at that time, I didn't feel I could, like I could. I'll be
1: completely honest with how I do it. My husband's a stay-at-home dad. That's how I do it. I'm not trying to take care of my kids and run this business. And I think that like, as online entrepreneurs and online entrepreneurs that are moms, we need to be very clear about where we have help. And I think that there's sometimes it's like, I can do this, and you can do it too. Narrative that's like, oh, but do you hire a house cleaner? Or does your mom live down the street and come help with the kids every couple of days? Like, what is our benefits? Because otherwise, we get moms that listen to these podcasts and are like, oh, I could like, why can't I figure it out? What's wrong with me? Like, I'm trying, but I'm exhausted. And it's like, no, my husband cooks and cleans and watches the kids. And that's why I can work and have any kind of sense of work-life balance. And it's not that it's impossible if you don't, it's just that it's hard. And we need to admit that it's hard. I think <laughs> it's like, it's just part of it.
0: Right. Well, thanks for sharing that. And yes, um, you, we had had the discussion. So I love that you're uh, open about that because it it is true. And And I look back, I'm like, well, with my husband being gone every other week or every month, how could I have? I, the focus was the boys
1: there is this like reawakening and I haven't experienced it yet, but I've heard about it from other people of like when your kids hit that school age and you start to realize like, oh, they can pour their own cereal. And like, I have a minute. (laughs) And so you didn't know, you said you didn't know when they got to that kindergarten age, what you really wanted to do with your designation. And so can you share a little bit about how you figured out your path as you stumbled at the beginning?
0: By continuing to stumble a lot. I started off and I, as I mentioned, I learned about the online and, you know, I'm coachable and I learn and sometimes we're coached by people that don't necessarily have what we need or, but we think they do. So I took, I did, I hired a coach and, and she was focused more on creating your online course and having webinars and selling your course. So I'm like, okay, I barely had a blog then. I didn't have an email. If I have an email list, I maybe had like 20 people on there. What I learned that was a big stumble, I created this online course. I don't have it anymore, but it was called Money Magnet Women or Money Women. It had magnets somewhere in there. And I had my first webinar and I, oh, and then this uh, coach was also teaching Facebook ads, which I don't think that at the very beginning of the business, my opinion you should be having to do anything with Facebook ads because that's a job in its own.
1: Oh, yeah. And it only gets more complicated. Like, they just keep adding more. Oh, my gosh. It's very complicated. Anyway, continue. So you're running Facebook ads to your webinar, it sounds yes, like.
0: Yes. And I don't think – I mean, I don't remember how many people signed up. Long story short is my course did not sell – Not I didn't make one sale. And not one. I know. I didn't have a community Ouch. or an audience, but – but of course, that makes sense. I didn't have anyone to sell it to. And I wasn't even publishing blogs. I, that that was what before my podcast. How can people get to know me if I didn't have any content for them to read or listen or watch? That's when I realized I need to figure out how can I create this po- content because pod- or blogging was obviously not for me. So that's when I discovered podcasting and because I had dabbled a little bit in YouTube videos and this was, and I think this is in North Dakota, but I'm like, Oh, it's so dark and the lighting and it was just for me too much work at that time. So we moved again and that's when I started podcasting and that really, that's really when my business had shifted because one, people were getting to know me. So what I got coaching clients a lot easier and. I have had different renditions of memberships. I never really did a full-blown course again. I think I still have that hurt. I do plan to, but I still have that ego like, oh, I never sold that first one. But I've been able to grow the business in terms with clients, with. but really now my business has been shifting more to the one-to-many with speaking, working with brands, which is something that I've wanted from the get-go. And that's... A podcast has a big, has had a big part in that that's how I was able to publish a book you wouldn't if you were to have asked me five years ago would I ever write a book I would say no this is why I podcast this is why I don't write blog posts because I don't know I I have more confidence in writing now but it was all due. To the podcast, that the book, and the opportunities that I've had because people are able to hear me and get to know me, and they came and make a decision. This woman is awesome, or she's a little crazy. No, thank you. You know, whatever they want to think. You know, that's you know, that's on them. But it allows that. So I think that content and creating that content is really is is a huge lesson that I learned. That it was is powerful to have that in whatever platform you do use.
1: There are so many nuggets in this that I just I love. First of all, it's got to be a mindset thing, but the number of people who would pay a coach, pay for Facebook ads, and get zero sales, and then keep working in their online business, that's a small number. Like, how did you get the confidence to keep stumbling, keep finding
0: your path? I'm a military spouse. I have to, I'm resilient. I think it's partly that. Also, my why, just knowing my kids, uh, that I've always... I want to make sure that I have a good example, and that we, me and my husband, set an example of just to keep going, to keep pressing, Uh, because I definitely had more more stumbles along the way in learning how to build a business, right, and feeling like I was a failure. And I think a good support system is important. My husband has been my rock. Like at the beginning, where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I have failed. I think this is also why I'm such a big advocate of celebrating wins and our money wins, because there was one time I was at that that ugly cry moment where I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, this is horrible! I'm like failing. This is, I'm not doing anything right. And we sat down and, and he was like, okay, you feel like you're not doing anything right, but look at what you have accomplished. You've done this, you got gotten this, you got gotten this. And I was never paying any attention to that. I was only focusing on what didn't get done or what I didn't accomplish. And that was like, Phew. I need to focus and everybody needs to focus on like those wins because it boosted me and it gave me. And I think that also helps in that support system because my husband and my kids are just amazing. They're like my biggest cheerleaders and they're just, my husband, he's um, he's close to retirement in the military I've already shared that in the seventies and, you know, it was in the seventies in Colombia. So, you know, I'm owning it. People are always asking, you know, cause he hit the 20 year mark in the military and people are asking, what's next? And he's like, well, my wife is my retirement plan. Cause he always think, you know, says I'm going to be your assistant and I'm going to do this and that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he, they're just amazing. I think that's, that's so important. Your support system.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, it's like always that that adage that like one negative review overshadows 100 positive reviews. And it's the same thing. We, we focus on those failures. It's one of my favorite, like, I keep a smile folder where like, so when people send me nice emails or, or comments, I comment and put them in there. And so when I'm having a bad day or feeling like I'm not accomplishing anything, it's a place to go kind of look and be like, oh, okay, hold on. Like, there's, there's actually other things we're doing that have value and, and that are important. But yeah, having a support system is huge. The second little nugget of your story that I was pulling out was that you don't, you don't have to know the end result. You just have to keep trying things. You don't know where it's going to lead. You didn't know you were going to write a book and end up here and speaking. And it's just staying in the game until you figure out where you're headed.
0: Right. And you know, that's how they say there's really no overnight success, right? And then how some people and, and businesses take a while to thrive, right? But we don't really talk about that. And I think that's, that's important to really take into account that it's, it's not just some people, I mean, you've done fantastic, right? There are those people that the next day, boom, but there are also, I'm sure there has been some work behind the scenes that we don't know about. I think it's important to, to really take that into account.
1: The last thing I wanted to mention was you just threw it in at the end about like people can listen to your podcast and decide if you're for them or not. And I think that for new entrepreneurs, especially like any moms that are listening, we have to adopt that we're not going to be for everybody. It's okay if some people just decide to go find somebody else. Did you ever struggle with that feeling, Jen?
0: No, because at my very first podcast episode, and it was an episode that I re-recorded like 20 times from the beginning because I knew no better. I mean, I had an editor, but I recorded that 15-minute piece from the beginning like 20 I don't know 20 times but too many times and in there I shared because I'm always about being real and this is who you are this is what this is what you get take it or leave it so I was very real I love to have fun I am bilingual sometimes my English or Spanish does not come out right sometimes I don't know how to pronounce I mean t- to this day my husband's like it's not I don't know how to pronounce some words it just those little things I let them know this is why I am. I love to sing, but people ban me. I, I do love to sing, but I'm a horrible singer. But don't, you know, you can't tell <laughs> me about dancing. <laughs> oh, I do it in the cars. I, I, sometimes there's some songs that brings you back in time. I'm like, and I start singing and then my throat hurts because <laughs> I try too hard. So I share those things about me so they can have an idea of who who I am. I'm very real. I'm very direct. I'm very caring. I have I do have a big heart, maybe not as big as my husband with money. But (laughs) I, I, I I like to let people know who they're dealing with.
1: I'll tell you about singing. My best friend is it was a musical theater major and his brother is a classically trained singer and is like, Ben. he like does opera. And they like do not let me sing around them. But every time I'm singing, they're like, stop, please stop. I was like, we can't all be held to your standard, okay? Like, I'm still gonna <laughs> sing. This
0: song. I love singing. I mean, I just love music. I love music. So me too. We're getting a little long here,
1: but I do want to throw in a question because we have a lot of military moms and military spouses in our audience. I'd love if you had any any quick tips that maybe military families specifically should think about as they're trying to get a hold of their finances.
0: Military. Oh my goodness. So so much. I. With the military, there's always those promotions, right? And plan out that money. That's a mistake that we made, like from when he went from second, uh, first lieutenant to captain, which is a pretty big, significant amount in, in, in the salary. And we didn't map out that money. And all of a sudden, we were living in that new lifestyle. So just really... Map out that money when there's those promotions, when there's those deployments, have a plan of what you're going to do. Are you, are you going to invest it? Are you going to save it somewhere, you know, for emergency savings? Are you going to use it to pay off debt? And also the other thing is two more things. When you move is we have the housing allowance that they give us. So do your best to stay. Consider the rent and the utilities when looking at that, not just the rent. Because you save money, especially if you are getting that housing allowance that covers your rent and utilities, you're golden. Sometimes it's hard to do, depending. And the last piece, in the military, because we also are giving that housing allowance, there's a lot of push, buy a home, buy a home, because you just can use that to pay the mortgage. Well, don't be pressured to buy a home. We have purchased two homes in our, in our time in the military, or we're still in the military. And those two times that we purchased the homes, we came out on the bad side just because one, we purchased one home, we left, uh, moved a year later and it was rented. And all of a sudden, uh, we were going to, we put it up to sale because the market skyrocketed. And as soon as we put it to sale, the market dropped. We had a mortgage and rent for a good while. That's another reason why our emergency funds always depleted too. And then we did it a second time in a market that in that in Wichita, Kansas. I was actually a real estate agent and the, historically the market was always stable. So we felt comfortable. We looked at, uh, the rent and, you know, in the, the, the area and everything. We felt comfortable. We moved. 2008 happened. And yeah, that was another situation. Rent That's and mortgage. That's all to say is 2008 yes.
1: and we all, we all know that. <laughs> I've heard that a lot about the pressure to buy homes with the military, especially when you can get the 0% down and the lower rates, but there are still, there's costs to maintaining those properties and to selling on short notice if you have to when you move. And so they're definitely something to think about. That's that was and great. And there it
0: may be 0% down, but there's a VA funding fee. So it's built into your loan. So is it really, it's not out of pocket, it's just built into the loan. But
1: yeah, you're going to pay. And you're probably going to pay interest on it, right? Mm -hmm. Good to know. All right, Jen, before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. (laughs) So the sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? I hope so. Let's do it. (laughs) What's your funniest mom life story?
0: Well, because we're on a mom show. I can share this and you can edit it out and I can come up with another one. No, we're keeping it. <laughs> my oldest, then my only at this time at the sun, uh, he was still wearing diapers. You know how we can't go into the restroom and be left alone. And he went into the restroom. He was fiddling around in the and opening the cabinet doors and he saw some of my women's stuff and he asked if they were my diapers. <laughs>
1: yes there are some great conversations when you are a boy mom Mm -hmm. about these things when they're little and we are trying really hard to just be direct with them about it but then they don't realize that they can't announce it to the world (laughs) so we've had some of those really fun moments thank you for telling the entire grocery store (laughs) oh my goodness yeah they're fun crazy Jen where can people follow up listen to your podcast and hear more of your content
0: At jenhemphill.com and my podcast, you can find it there or pretty much on anywhere that you listen to podcasts and just search for Her The Nettle Matters. Exactly where you're listening to this podcast right now. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. This was a, a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I had fun.
1: Mamas, I always love getting to talk to Jen. So thanks for joining me while I caught up with my friend and I hope you learned a lot from her personal journey and expertise, even through all our giggles. As always, I've wrapped up my three favorite takeaways from this chat with Jen to make sure those core lessons really hit home. First, even when you know all the right things, mindset matters. Financial literacy is important. Knowing how credit works, how to invest, what a sinking fund is, it's all important. But it isn't the only thing that matters. Jen shared how she was training in financial education, answering money questions for her family and friends, and was still struggling to get out of debt. She had the tools, but she still had mental blocks getting in her own way. If you've read all the finance books, listened to the podcasts, and still feel like you're struggling with money, take the time to revisit your money story. The answers could be hidden there, just like they were for Jen. Second, embrace creative ways to talk to your spouse about money. This may have been my favorite story Jen shared today. She and her husband had different money mindsets and financial upbringings. It caused issues in their relationship at times. And chances are, if she kept trying to drive change by focusing on the nuts and bolts of their finances, encouraging him to cut cable, it would have been hard to bridge the gap. But by doing the 30-day prosperity exercise, talking about what they would use money for and what things they wanted to be able to afford and do, they learned more about each other's money patterns, about each other's dreams. If you're struggling to get on the same page with your spouse, come at the conversation in a different way. Ask about their dreams. Do the prosperity challenge. Start tying money conversations to what you want money to help you do instead of who spent more at the grocery store. You'll both have more fun and find more exciting things to work towards together. Finally, you have to find your own path. With how you manage money, what you do for work, how to balance parenting and career, it's so easy to look outside ourselves for the answers, to want someone else to just come along and tell us what to do. But while it's important to learn from others who went ahead, we have to decide which nuggets of wisdom, which strategies, work best for us. You don't have to get it right the first time. Trial and error is part of the game, just like it has been for Jen, just like it has been for me. The only thing you have to do is keep trying and listen to what speaks to your personality, your style, and your goals. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Jen again for coming on the show and sharing her money story. You can find links to her site and her podcast and download your free healthy money mantras workbook in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 68. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.